Love Talk Radio. Again to the Massive Zone. I am Kevin Owens, and uh, with me, as always, is the uh, legendary, very knowledgeable, uh, quite hilarious Michael Gould. Mike, how are you tonight? Kev, I'm doing great, man. We what a show we have lined up tonight. Tonight we are going to have two prominent high school South Jersey coaches on. We are going to have Dave Allen from Cherry Hill East. Checking. Oh, actually, I think they're going to be in studio tonight. Oh, they're good. Are they Dave, coming to the master studio? So Dave Allen from Cherry Hollis will be in the studio tonight, as long as well as Camden Catholic head coach Jim Crawford will be in the studio tonight. So I think they're uh, due to come in at about uh, 7:30ish, I believe. Oh, nice. So that's uh, that's a, about a half hour for uh, of having to hear us talk. So that should be fun for everyone. Uh, I think, uh, like we said. For the for the national fan or fan who's out there listening in, uh, I think this is this is a show right now. How we're going to go about this is we're going to talk high school basketball right now because that's what's on that's what's happening right now. As as we get to the high school playoffs, I mean everywhere in the country, high school is getting on, getting towards where it needs to be right now in terms of getting towards the playoffs. So we're going to talk high school basketball right now. As we get closer to March Madness, we are going to move on into college basketball. And then as we college basketball comes to an end, we're going to start talking NBA. We're going to talk professional. We're going to talk overseas basketball. I think there's a lot of things we can go to. But for those people who are sitting there listening at home and saying, I thought you guys were going to talk about you know all forms of basketball and, and getting frustrated, we are going to get there. Right now we're, we're going into high school basketball because, you know, that's that's what – we know high school basketball very well, and I think right now it's the most prominent. It's the most. It's in everyone's mind. So that's what we're doing this week. Uh, again, we're going to keep going into our salute to high school basketball, and that's what we're going to talk tonight uh, to some of these coaches who have a ton of knowledge and wealth of, of history. And I mean, Coach, Craw- Coach Jim Crawford is a Camden Catholic's head coach. Uh, just got his 700th win. And that's, I mean, 700 wins, Mike. That's that's something that, that it doesn't, it just it just doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it sure doesn't, Kev. I mean, it takes, uh, well, I think he's, I think this is his 35th year, so it uh, obviously it takes a long time, and it'd be successful to accumulate uh, accumulate 700 wins. I think some of the things that I, I'm looking forward to asking both of them is how basketball, especially Coach Crawford because he's been coaching for 35 years, how the players have kind of changed and how the game has changed now as opposed to when he started back in 1978. So that will be some nice insight to get off of Coach Crawford. As far as Coach Allen, uh, I don't know if some of you out there don't know, uh, didn't know, Coach Allen started at Eastern. Uh, had a nice run back in 2000, 2001, I think, uh, with Dominic Mejia and Lance Evans. I think they made. I think they went to the South Jersey final, and got knocked off by knocked off uh, by Shawnee, and then he moved on to Cherry Hill West, and now he's coaching at his alma mater, Cherry Hill East, which I know he's uh, he's uh, he's really happy to be back. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. I, I think a lot of people out there are, are interested in 
kind of the ins and outs of the everyday coaching, things like that. So, as always, feel free to call. Now, last week, we did not take a lot of calls during our fantasy draft. This week, feel free to call in with questions for Coach Allen and Coach Crawford. The phone number you can reach us is one three four seven two one five eight one two six. You can tweet us at the match underscore up zone, and as always, we're on Facebook at the match up zone. Excellent, excellent, absolutely. I think that's that's something we talked about last week. We got a ton of callers, and this time actually for real, we got a lot of callers, and uh, they were all there to talk during the draft. However, it was tough to get them in because you know there's so much going. We have Phil on the line, Kevin on the line, Kevin on the line, and we're we're trying to get to this draft, and it, it was just tough to get that to get be able to stop the flow and, and take callers. But this week we really want to encourage you guys to call in if you have a question for Coach Crawford, if you have a question for uh, Coach Allen, or if you have a question for yourself, or if Tom from Palmyra is bored and drinking 40s, then obviously please call in. And we have Tom on the line. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, Kev, now you coach, you're the assistant coach at Terrell East, and you get to see Coach Allen kind of every day. What, what is he like on a day-to-day basis in terms of how does he conduct his practices and, and things like that during the games? I mean, I, you know, you have to be intense when you coach, but how is he with the players kind of behind the scenes? You know what, Coach Allen is great because he has he has that ability to communicate well with, with the guys and, and get what, the, what they're trying to, to, to get across. I mean, he's not – He's not the crazy yelling coach. He's not going to get in your face. He's not going to get on you. He's going to talk to you and say, you know, this is how we do things. This is how it's supposed to be done, and this is where we're going. I mean, that's something that, that I think is big in, in high school basketball because these kids are very – I think the word is impressionable. I mean, in order to – Hold on, Kev, Kev. Give me a second. I'm looking up impressionable. <laughs> so they, they – you know, a lot of these kids, they, they need that guidance. Some of them – I mean, you get kids for – Cherry Hillies, you get a lot of different kids, so you will have to be able to get this group and, and be all on the same page. I think Coach Allen does a great job of doing that. Uh, he's great with the, with the kids. He's able to, to speak their language. I mean, he's able to, to communicate to them in a way they understand. He's, he's old school but new school, if that makes sense. He's old school in that he – a lot of his ideals and beliefs are old school. He get the kids all on the same page kind of attitudes, but he has a new school approach in order to get them to understand what they're saying. Because if, if, he's, if he's pop culture referencing uh, Hoosiers, kids are like, oh, I have no idea what that is. We have kids in our team who are just like, I was just like, yeah, like Hoosiers. And they're like, I have no idea what that I mean, that's, that's a travesty that people don't know. But, again, this is, that's new school, so you have to start changing it up to uh, he got game. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you know, it's funny you say, Kev, obviously we played for Coach Crawford, um, you know, back in the 90s, and he kind of was the same way. He he commands respect, and when he when Coach Crawford was speaking, you listened. Uh, he kind of has that presence. He was walking through the hallway, kind of commands respect. Again, not a big yeller, screamer, hollerer. He, you know, he never really raised his voice, but... He knew that when he spoke, your eyes and focus was on him. And one of the things I really liked about Coach Crawford was some coaches will yank players out. They turn the ball over. They're always looking over the shoulder, looking over the shoulder. And you have to really, you have to understand these kids are 14, 15, 16-year-old, 17-year-old kids. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to turn the ball over. And Coach Crawford was great. You turned the ball over. He, he, he didn't pull you out. You weren't looking over your shoulder. He was kind of encouraging you. 
um, you know, pointing you in the right direction. So he was great that way. Obviously, I, I, the fundamentals and the X's and O's, I, I think everybody pretty much is aware uh uh, of those, of those, but he was just very. It was easy to talk to, very respectful, and it was just a pleasure for four years. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, our good friend Kevin Minnick uh, also <laughs> just tweeted at us. Uh, Don't ask about shaking hands. That's that's obviously, you know, something that that came up recently with uh, two big time programs. If again, a lot of people in South Jersey are listening to this, or. <laughs> Correction, a few people in South Jersey are listening to this, but if you're listening from another area, uh, these are two prominent programs. There was an issue. uh, There was a a handshake that never happened. And uh, they just played again. The handshake was over. It was, uh, they they shook hands. It's almost like, okay, you know, it's over. Point was made. Let's go. Yep, exactly. Let's go. So I think that's something that is important to to know because. Even the even the the most legendary top flight coaches, I mean, they still get they things still upset them. They still get upset by some of these things that that you know should. It's like it's frustrating, but well, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, Kev. And talking to talking to Coach Allen and other coaches around South Jersey, a lot of coaches don't really. A lot of public school coaches don't really like to play the private schools. You're, you have kids coming from all over the place. You have kids, you know, for instance, Paul Six has kids coming from Winslow Township, Washington Township, Cherry Hill, Voorhees, Marlton, Philadelphia, all over the place, where typically in your private uh, public schools, you know, let's say you're at a Haddon Township, you have kids from Haddon Township. Uh, you know, some schools you can pay tuition to go there, but typically the private schools you have kids coming in from all over the place. So I know a lot of a lot of public schools don't really feel that it's fair that they have to play these private schools, but then again, the private schools fare pretty well against the public schools. I'm sorry, the public schools fare pretty well against the private schools. So, uh, yeah, like, we, like we've been saying all along, there's good basketball players all over the place. Uh, I was never a big believer in, oh, well, group four school is playing at group one school. Group four school has 4,000 kids. Group one school has 600 kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can they compete? Well, to me, you only need five. You only need five players to be good out of those 400 players. I understand the, in a, in a, in a, you know, in a group four school, you have more kids to choose from. Mm-hmm. But when I was coaching in Haddonfield, early part of the decade, 2004 and five, Haddonfield was the best team in South Jersey. I don't care if they were group one group; they would have beat any any group four school that year. It didn't matter how big the school size was; they were the best team. They had five very, very good players. Well, you know, five very good stars. A couple of kids came off the bench, but. I don't care. They played Shawnee that year. Any team in South Jersey, they were the best team in South Jersey. Oh, I agree. And you look at uh, Paulsboro this year, Group 1 school, obviously uh, doing a lot of damage. They play. They have a big week. They, I mean, they play uh, in our Invitational, or the Cherry Hill East Invitational coming up. They play uh, two games. They play Atlantic City, who's number one, and then they play – who do they play after that? They play Paul Six. I think they play Paul Six. So there's that's two. Yeah, I'm glad I know your invitational for you. Let me know if you need help with the schedule next year. So I, I mean, they're, they decide to play two games. So I think that's pretty pretty interesting, and uh, it's going to be a test to see how they fare against those Group One schools. But when you go six nine, six what's what's Lundy? Six, I, think, five? I think Lundy's six six. Six six. I mean, you have two Division One players. It doesn't matter if, you, like you're saying, it doesn't matter Group One, Group Four. Does it, it's, it's it's all the same. I mean, if you have players who can who can play, you can play. I mean, look at our look at our draft last week. How many Group One schools? Right. When you yeah, yeah, it's funny. As I was kind of going through the list, I'm noticing there was a lot of Paulsboro players, mm-hmm. some Hanfield players. Uh, 
you know, some smaller schools. Yeah. Group size. Some JV guys. <laughs> some JV guys. <laughs> uh, according to some. But, and I feel like, too, that being around South Jersey basketball, uh, the Colonial Conference, the Tri-County Conference, um, some of those conferences kind of get a bad rap. They don't play anybody. They don't play. Well, you know, in, in terms of Hattiefield, and I can speak for them because I, I coached there for a while, there were 20 – the schedule was 24 or 26 games. I forget what it was back then, but let's say it's 24 games. So let's say it was 26 games. Mm-hmm. There was 10 teams in the conference, so you had you had 20 conference games yeah. that you were committed to right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So now there's only left to be six, six out-of-conference games. Now, you take away – now, let's say you play a Christmas tournament, that's probably two games. So now you're down to 24 – you're down to four games out-of-conference. So you're kind of a, a product of this, uh, the schedule you play in. 20 Colonial Conference games. Now, some of the teams are a little bit weaker. You're playing maybe an Audubon or a Gateway. But you had to play them because they were on the schedule. You can only play who's on your schedule. That's true. I mean, absolutely. And and like you said, it's only as, as strong as your schedule. But a lot of the Group 1 teams at rap, yeah, like they're playing teams that are just aren't, aren't as talented. Right. And you have those Group 1 schools that are not – right. They, they don't have those five players. They they're pretty much stuck with one to zero. So you'll you'll play a few of them, and it's tough because I mean you look at the I looked at the South Jersey rankings today, and Middle Township was ranked third. Haddonfield was ranked tenth, uh, or yeah, I believe it was tenth because I think that's in the Carrier. I think it was it was in the it might have no, been the Inquirer. I can't feel tenth. You're right. So that's something that you think about. Okay, well if they're if they're both in the same group, why are they? Why is Middle Township third and Haddonfield's tenth? Uh, especially because Haddonfield is going to win, is going to have number one seed in group in group two uh, going in. So that's, that's something you think about. Why are they there? But Middle Township's schedule is is a lot tougher. So that's something to, to think about. Yeah, it is tough. Um, the Cape, you know, you always have your traditional St. Augustine's and Atlantic Cities, and every once in a while you throw in a Hammond, and they'll be they'll be pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think Haddonfield actually was ranked maybe ninth last week, and they didn't lose. And just because Camden Catholic beat Lenape and Paul six recently, they get bumped up to seven ahead ahead of Haddonfield, and Haddonfield dropped without losing. Mm-hmm. Again, I guess they're going off strength of schedule, things like that. But I know Haddonfield's going to have its time to prove themselves coming up. I believe they play Cherokee, Cherry Hill West, I think Eastern coming up uh, in the next few weeks. So uh, they're going to have a chance to kind of prove to everybody and let everybody know how good they are. Uh, in the Invitational, they play uh, – are they in the Invitational? Yeah, they they are. They middle who does who does middle play? No, middle plays Paul Six. Oh yeah. Lenape. Lenape plays Haddonfield. Lenape, no, Lenape no. plays Pittman. Yeah, Lenape plays Pittman. Haddonfield plays Eastern. No. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, whatever the case. Like you said, you they're, should. They're, they're, they're going to play a pretty good team, so we'll we'll kind of see how good they are. Uh, again. Coming up in studio in about 15 minutes, we're going to have Coach Allen and Coach Crawford. Please feel free to call in with any questions for them at one three four seven two one five eight one two six. Always, you can uh, as always, you can tweet us at the match underscore up zone and on Facebook the match up zone. Absolutely, and again, going back to last week, uh, we did you know we got we got some feedback. Oh, I I got some nasty I got some nasty texts this week. Exactly, you know, not always positive, but. Uh, 
I mean, we got some we got some feedback, and I think people were definitely interested in uh, what we were doing. And it's it's tough because you don't in or, in order to have this many this many people. I mean, we're talking about what 1990 to, to current. So that's 23 years of basketball. Very good players, a lot of Division One players, and you're trying to decide now. When I what I've kind of used to defend myself in such altercations was that when I'm picking a team, I'm going to I'm going to select people who, if say so and so wasn't on the team, they would still be the same player. If this person wasn't on the team, they'd still be the same player. And you look at Dewan, and obviously he had Arthur Barkley, but. Dewan was unbelievable. Now you look at some other players and you think, okay, well, if if, the, if he wasn't there, would he be a star? Right. If he wasn't there, would he be a star? So I, that's kind of how I looked at things. And if there's two studs, I, I look at the one who I think would be able to get his own shot off, to, to get that extra rebound, to do the little things, as opposed to the guy who may be like a standstill shooter, although he's a very good shooter and probably one of the best. I have to go with a guy who's going to give me a little more in terms of rebounds and assists and stuff like that. Also, Kev, you bring up some solid points there, but also you're also a product of what system you play in. Uh, I, I was talking to Mike Gilchrist uh, a few years ago. Um, I don't know. I forget if it was – I guess it was his summer going into ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And he was still kind of up in the air what school he was going to, and he said – he said, I may go to Camden Catholic, or no, he was going to go to Camden Catholic, but then he went, decided to go to St. Pat's. I said, well, why did you decide to go to St. Pat's? He said, well, Camden Catholic doesn't let you get off. In terms of, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, Camden Catholic is more system we're in. You're not going to come down and shoot the ball 20, 22 times. You're not going to average 35 points to Camden Catholic. It's a little more of a system-based offense where St. Pat's, you're playing a national schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get up and down the court a little bit more. You're playing with great players. Get out in the open court. Uh, you might, you know, you're going to put up maybe 20, 25 points a night and kind of display your skills a little bit more. Exactly. I think that's something to, something to be said about that. And uh, I mean, obviously, Mike, Michael. I mean, Mike Gilchrist, as we know him, but Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, we wish him well. Yeah. Uh, he had a scary injury the other day. I know. Uh, we know Mike, and uh, it's, it's 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 scary. I mean, things like that happen, and. When you look at injuries like that, in not terms of, you know, okay, I blew my knee out, or I did this, I did this, and something that you can heal from, I mean, that's, a, that's something that's kind of scary. I mean, you, when you mess with your head, and we're going to get into a whole uh, talk about concussions, and we're going to talk about rehabilitation and things like that as we go on with this show, but uh, something like that's definitely scary. So we wish Mike uh, all the best in a speedy recovery. Yeah, absolutely, Kev. Um, it kind of sticking on the injuries for a second. Kind of watching these NFL games and the playoffs and the Super Bowl, I, I think these players are getting so big, fast, and strong that at some point, you see a lot of the knee injuries. At some point, you're so big and strong, your body joints and muscles and tendons and ligaments aren't supposed to take that impact. You're running so fast, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden to stop and change direction and putting all that weight, a big, strong leg. You know, you look at Bo Jackson, mm-hmm. a great athlete, the cross-training, all that, a freak injury, his hip pops out of his socket, and his career's over at 28. It, yeah. You know, you wonder if he wasn't so big and strong. He actually was fighting off a tackle when it happened. If he was somebody like... Uh, me who can't lift 25 pounds over my head, 
is that going to happen to me? No, because I'm not going to be able to pull my leg away. To you know, so I, I just think these, these athletes are getting so big, fast, and strong that the body is just not meant to take some of the some of the punishment it does. I agree, and, and I mean, even looking at I know this is a basketball talk show, but we're gonna, looking at what's happened with professional football players. I mean, professional athletes when they retire. And all these concussions that nothing was done about, and you get, they go on and go on, and now they're having so many issues. I mean, it's it's tough when you think about how much you put your body through, and especially, I mean, that's in the 90s. I mean, the guys in the 90s are starting to feel it now. The guys in the 80s and 90s are the ones who are starting to come up and say, you know, I'm injured, I have this. But you look at the, the guys, what's going to happen in – 10, 15 years from now, when the guys now who are hitting faster, harder, stronger, going going hard and smashing helmets, doing this, what's going to happen then? I mean, what are we going to do? It's it's going to be something that, that will need to be addressed in order to get these guys, everyone back on the same page and to kind of get them, uh, you know, healthy. And there's going to be a lot of technology that's going to be needed in order to get uh, these players to get back to uh, get back to normal and, and live adult lives as as normal human beings. I guess, Kev, some bodies and some people are a little more. Uh, you look at Tony Dorsett and Earl Campbell. I think they're the same exact age. Earl Campbell can't walk. Yeah. He 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 literally cannot walk, and Tony Dorsett looks like he could play right now. And 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 rush for 100 yards a game. Mm-hmm. But you look at the different styles. Earl Campbell would punish people. He would run down the field, and he wouldn't run out of bounds. He's trying to fight for an extra yard. He's forearm, forearm, forearming people. And everybody commended him back then, and everybody might say, well, Tony Dorsett runs out of bounds. Well, Tony Dorsett can walk now. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess it's different styles and stuff like that. Um, take, it, take, it, um, take a toll on your body as well. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you know, going back to last week, and uh, it's it's definitely uh, we had a lot of fun, and uh, we're we just wonder you know it's tough tough to choose teams. It's just tough to choose all these people. So to our friends and loved ones and fellow alumni and brothers and brothers, yes, especially brothers. Uh, we we you know we want to say thank you for for listening. Thank you for being a part of that. Uh, if you didn't listen, you know, pass on the word and. Uh, I think that was that was something that's pretty interesting, and we'll get into something like that again. But uh, for right now, we're going to talk high school basketball some more. Uh, we like we said, we have two legendary coaches coming in, and uh, they're, we're going to pick their. <laughs> now come on, now, Dave. <laughs> Dave must be listening right now. <laughs> so uh, they're going to be coming in and talking. So the one thing we're going to ask them. Because I think that's gonna. This is an interesting thing, and we talked briefly about this before in a prior show. What, like, what do you ha- in terms of motivation? I mean, how hard it has to be tough to motivate these guys to play when they don't really have that. They don't really have that drive. There's you drive past the courts that we grew up on, and it's it's empty. There's there's no one there. I mean, it's. It, I drive by St. Rose. I drive by the Audubon courts, and they're empty. I mean, in the winter, we used to play. That was something that was that was definitely very interesting, and uh, I think that's that's something that hasn't really developed. I mean, kids just don't play anymore. Kids don't pick up a basketball and say, "Let's go play." Everyone has their own. Everyone has you know their trainers or things like that, where 
they're ha- they have to be pushed into doing what they need to do. I mean, growing up, you and I never had to had to push each other. I mean, we we just did it on our own. And that's something that's so different from this day and age because there's just it's just not the same. I mean, kids just they don't pick up a basketball. It's everything's forced. The parents are telling them, and then you have the kids who who are who are not great players who are sitting there saying, "Well, I'm going to make you be a good player, so I'm going to send you this person and and this person and do this and do this and work in your shot and work in this." But just go out and play. Like, get, pick up a basketball and go out and play. Kev, I rem- it's funny you should say that. You, Growing up, you drove by courts, Audubon, St. Rose. There was tons of kids, players, and that's where you learned to play. Now everything's structured, JKMBA trainers, things like that. Um, we used to drive down to, to Avalon on Saturday mornings at 5 o'clock to play basketball. Mm-hmm. And the competition was great. And and if you lost your first game, there were so many guys there. You might go to the beach for the day because you're not getting back on for about two more hours. There's so many good players, and just I, the, the the players at St. Rose, um, just all, all those players. And it's just kids don't play anymore. Everything's structured, and it's just uh, it's a shame. You drive by courts and no one's playing anymore. Exactly. And uh, I mean. It's just something. It's I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how you can get kids to be motivated. I don't know how. It's. I feel like it's not a learned behavior. It was just you just like playing. You just enjoy playing to the point where Chuck Guitar and and Paul Wiedemann, you know, guys that are now coaches in this area, would say, "Let's go out and play. Let's go. Let's go." Oh well, speaking of Chuck and Paul, they were with us all the time at Saint. They were with us all the time at Saint Rose. Um, they, you know, Chucky, Chucky would be there. Paul would be there. Doug Stewart. We'd have we'd have great games, and everybody was playing. And uh, you, you don't see it anymore. It's a shame because I think that's really where you develop your skills. Is kind of out on your own and just being able to 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 beat two or three defenders. Um, you know, Paul, Paul, Paul. I said it last week. Paul could play in any environment. Paul could play. He could play in a system. He could play. One on one, two on two, three on three. It didn't matter. Chucky was the same way. Chucky didn't start getting better until he was kind of a little bit older. Uh, he was always he was always a very fundamental player coming from St. Rose uh, with 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 the late great Timmy Lenahan. But um, other than that, guys just don't just don't play anymore. We used to play. It's just you don't you don't see kids playing in their driveways anymore. You just drive down the street and kids are you're always stopping your car because there's a ball rolling out in front of the street. Now you drive down the street, you, you you don't you don't see anything. You may see you may see a skateboard, you know, lying in front of you. But uh, other than that, it's just kids just don't play anymore. Uh, it time wise, it is 7:27. We have about you know those guys um, should be in studio in a few minutes here. Again, feel free to call one three four seven two one five eight one two six. Tweet us at the match underscore up zone and as always on Facebook the match up zone absolutely I think uh, we we have these great coaches coming in today and uh, we want you to call in we want you guys to interact we want this to be something a place where a lot of people will be able to Get some opinions. And, I mean, I got to tw- ask questions. We know guys have questions exactly. you know, uh, for Coach Crawford or Coach Allen, and don't, don't you know? Feel free to call up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's uh, 
I had a I had a tweet from a, a friend of mine who unfortunately got cut from our freshman team. He wanted me to ask Coach Crawford, you know, why, wh- why, why, what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called athleticism happened. I think that was uh, pretty much pretty much the big thing. But uh, again, high school, and, and we're going to get into a whole thing with AU, and I'm not going to get into that now because there's so many different sides of it. Uh, but I think that that might be contributing to why these kids aren't picking up a ball. Everything has to be structured. There's no – there's no. you can't just play hard fouls and just and smack some, someone across the arm and just keep playing. I mean, it's just it just doesn't happen anymore. There's guys – everything has to be so organized. And that's what, that's what just is a little – it bothers me. Yeah. I think, too, a lot of high school coaches, Kevin, this is my opinion, a lot of high school coaches may not like the AU because they feel like it's taking them out of the system basketball where they're teaching they're teaching them something that we don't want them to know. Well, I, I know high school might be a little more structured in some areas, and the AU might be a little more freelance, open court, up and down. I think it's, I think it's paramount that players can – do both. Okay, I'm in this setting. Okay, yeah, I, I can run a pick and roll, or I can I can run the uh, uh, you know the flex offense or pick or a fence, pick a fence or a Princeton offense. Oh wait a second, now I'm in a different environment. Now we got to get up and down the floor, outlet. You're running the floor, fill the lane. I, I think that's all part of basketball, and I think every player should kind of know how to play, just play basketball. Exactly. Everything, everything now is just you're kind of robotic. Okay, well the coach told me to go here. Well, now what? Now if that's not open, now what do I do? I have to know how to make a basketball play. So you have to know how to play basketball. Exactly. And uh, that's, that's – Real quick, Dave, I think uh, – think, I'm sorry, Kevin. I think Coach Allen is in the green room right now. We'll wait for we'll wait for the offer to get here. <laughs> oh, nice. What do, they, what do they have in the green room these days? I know they have some biscotti. And, oh, that, uh, that sounds delicious. Co- Coach Allen is in the green room. He'll be joining us any minute. Do they have iced tea in the green room? I believe so, unsweetened. Oh, that's nice. I that's believe nice. so, unsweetened. That's uh, we're just waiting on, uh, like I said, we're waiting on Coach Crawford. Uh, feel free to get, if you have any questions for Coach Allen or Coach Crawford, do not be afraid to call in one three four seven two one five eight one two six. Tweet us at the match underscore up zone, and as always, the match up zone on Facebook. Uh, you know, pick these guys' brains. I mean, they have a lot of experience. They're very successful coaches. Uh, they they come from great backgrounds. So don't be afraid to ask these guys questions. Please call in. Exactly. Uh, and Does that sound like I'm begging for caller? I mean, is that good? I, I, think, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, we're, listen, this is a ratings hey, game here. Hey, uh, 980 call uh, uh, listeners over the last, uh, you know, for to both shows. Uh, I'll tell you what. We must be doing something right because everywhere I go, people are just like, you know, this is you're, you guys are doing a great job. I'm looking at the at the numbers. I mean, we're getting a thousand people for each show listening in. I think that's pretty interesting. And I'm, I don't know. I'm, our equipment obviously is top notch. Our uh, studio is top studio. notch. Uh, the light bulb is brought to you by Dave Quinn. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. He does a great job with that. He uh, he's all over it. So again. We're, this is this is fun. We're we're having a good time, but uh, we want you guys to interact. So so please feel free to call. I feel like um, me saying begging for callers is like what do we say all the time last week when we were we, we oh uh, I can't remember. What did we say? What do we? I... We were talking about. Uh, <laughs> we had like a phrase that we continued to use. Oh, we used uh, this is not gospel. <laughs> I, I think I think about once a minute we used that phrase. We set we actually set the record for. Most times using this is not the gospel in a radio show. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, 
I mean, it's not gospel. We're we're in a. It's definitely not gospel. So so uh, again, and we also want to remind our viewers that it's it's a little difficult to listeners. We're not, I say, we're, not, we're not on TV yet. Oh, God, thank God. Thank God we're not on TV yet. But uh, for our listeners, we want to remind them that, you know, we're, we're producing, we're, we're doing a lot. So if, if we uh, veer off path, forgive us. I mean, uh, we're, we're... Or call us, please tell us so. <laughs> uh, Coach, like I said, Coach, Coach Allen is in the green room waiting right now. Coach Crawford should be here momentarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said... Uh, actually, Kev, the Cherry Hill East Invitational is coming up in a few weeks, right? Yes, the Cherry Hill East Invitational. It's a it's a great uh, great tournament. Uh, Coach Allen can tell you more about it. He put it all together. It's uh, it's it's probably the best high school tournament I think in the area in terms of you're going to see the best teams in South Jersey. You know what's always amazing to me too about the tournament, Kev, is I think it's put it together a year ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I, I think so, and for whatever reason. The the matchups are always great. There's always overtime games, and very rarely you see a blowout. And they just really, really do do a great job of putting putting the games together. Because you have to kind of look project and look at okay, who's going to be good next year? Okay, this team's going to be a little bit down. Uh, okay, Hanfield's great this year. Let's bring in St. Anthony. Exactly. Play St. Anthony, or uh, let's get Trenton Catholic playing this team. So. Um, it, you know, there, there's some really good games. Uh, I just pulled the schedule up here. I just pulled the schedule up here on our uh, on our on our switchboard. Saturday, February 16th. Everybody, get a pen, jot this stuff down. Saturday, February 16th, 11 a.m. Cherry Hill East High School, Pittman versus Lenape. A very good match up there. 12:30 p.m. We have Eastern at Haddonfield, like we were saying earlier. 2 p.m. will be the return of the legendary Coach Valori for Cumberland versus Kingsway Regional. 3.30 is the big matchup of the Crosstown Rivals, Cherry Hill West, Cherry Hill East. 5 o'clock, a very interesting matchup with Paulsboro and Camden. 6.30, we have Middle Township, at Paul, uh, Middle Township versus Paul 6. That's the Saturday festivities. Sunday, we have uh, my switchboard went down. Let me get Okay, I got it here. Let me just uh, enter my code in here. All right, I got you back up and running here. Sunday we have, that's Sunday, February 17th, 10 a.m., Cinnamons and Sterling, 11.30 a.m., Russ Winsett and Glassboro take on Bishop Eustace, 1 p.m., Holy Spirit Shawnee, always a great matchup, Holy Spirit Shawnee, 2.30, Lang City, Paulsboro, and 5.30, Williamstown, Willingboro. So a real nice lineup there put together by Coach Allen this year. And uh, it's funny, when you go to, these, when you go to the, 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 the tournament, or it's not a tournament, the Invitational, when you go, you kind of look around and you just see a lot of basketball fans. People may not have players playing, nephews, nieces, and everything, but you just see a lot of, of basketball diehard fans. Like you always see guys like Bill Dorsey's always there, and, and 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 a guy we grew up playing with, Coop. I don't even know what's Coop. What's Coop's name? Eric Coop. He always used to play with his shirt off. Oh uh, yeah. I think his, his name's not even. You know, I don't even know if his name's Cooper, but we call him Coop. I don't know. Yeah. Why. Uh, but you it's either first name Cooper or last name Cooper or uh, dog's name Cooper. <laughs> but he's always there. It's just a great tour. They, you got everybody. If you if you haven't been out there, get there. Great food, DJs, and it's it's just a lot of fun. So if uh, you can get out there, it starts it's, uh, February 16th at 11 o'clock. Pittman Lenape kicking it off. Absolutely, uh, it's going to be a good time. And again, what is it? Five dollars. Five dollars at the door for for the all day. Uh, event of games, and again, 
If you're listening from out of town, these are some of the best high schools. This is a, it's a, we're talking high school basketball, so we're talking what we know. So these are some of the best high schools. Uh, if you're calling from out of town and would like to throw your, throw your two cents in about the best team from uh, Canton, Ohio, or uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, please feel free to call in. But for right now, we're talking South Jersey basketball. Yeah, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Is there a globe here? <laughs> Pretty good with the geography there. Well, well, Coach Allen, I think Coach Allen's teaching history now. Yes, he uh, is. I think uh, Western might, civilization. Western civilization. So, is he making that part of the practice plan from from three uh, thirty to three forty five Western civilization? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, so, like we said, there's some some things we're going to get into with the coaches. Uh, we have we have actually a good question from a Camden Catholic player who just tweeted at us and said, uh, what do you think the top five Camden Catholic teams that Croft has coached? We'll ask, obviously, Coach Allen what his top five teams, because Coach Allen has coached at Eastern, he's coached at Cherry Hill East, he's coached at Cherry Hill West, so there's a lot of good, talented players. Last week, who did, I, I picked Dominic Mejia as my first-round pick. I th- well, you Kev, you weren't too bad with that pick. I coached Dominic. I was coaching the eighth grade Borders travel team when Dominic was in eighth grade. So I had Dominic Mejia, Lance Evans, Paul Witt. I think maybe Ruben was Ruben Bruno. I don't know if Ruben was on the team. Uh, a Metzinger was on the team, and we beat St. Rose that year. We we got crushed in the Pine Hill Christmas. It was a two game elimination. We played St. Rose and Timmy Lenahan and, and the Cangelosis were in seventh grade, and they just crushed us. They took us to school. Uh, and then I kind of remember I kind of met with Coach Crawford and kind of asked him, uh, you know, what, what should we do against a one-three-one half-court trap? And he kind of gave me some ideas and some pointers, and we wound up beating them. And it was to no, believe me, they won in spite of me. Dominic Mejia, Dominic Mejia was was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he 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 could handle the ball. He could shoot it. He just had such a knack for the game at a young age, and he he was he was a great great player. Well, if, I mean, this is funny, as you said. Uh, you were talking about Tim Lenahan. The, uh, I have a, a funny story. This weekend, actually, we played Collingswood, and uh, I actually bumped into Morgan Lenahan, who uh, there was a story about her in the uh, paper not too long ago about Morgan and how well she's doing. She's a terrific player at Hatton Township, and also Tim Lenahan was a legendary coach uh, for a grade school, which is where I went to school, St. Rose. And uh, he passed away in 2003, I believe, and uh, left a big mark. And now it's great to see that his daughter is doing so well because she's she's a ter- terrific player. And I, I looked at, I mean, it's just amazing to see how grown up she is. How she's tall too. I mean, she's. I, I was I was shocked at how tall. And I just saw what's her this Monahan summer. Was, what's that Monahan was tall? What was he? Five six? Yeah, I think so. With uh, with heels. And uh, he was, he, you know, he she's she's tall. I mean, she's athletic. She's tall. She's very quick. She's right. very a uh, good player. And it's it's awesome to see that that basketball gene the, didn't. Families, the traditions living on. Exactly. Well, Kev, you know, you know what? Let's bring let's bring Coach out. Coach Crawford's running a little bit late. Let's bring. Uh, we'll get Coach Allen out of the green room in a couple minutes. We'll give it a few more minutes for Coach Crawford. Um, and then we will uh, maybe just go ahead and kick it off with Coach Allen. I know he's back there. He, uh, I think he's getting some some uh, peach snapple back there, but we'll get him in in a couple minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Who texted it? You said a player text or? Oh, who did? Yeah, the one and only Jerry Wickstead. Who? Jerry Wickstead. Oh, Jerry Wickstead. Uh, Jerry. Jerry was a, Jerry's at Dickinson right now. From what I understand, he's he's absolutely tearing it up. He, he was a very very. I remember Jerry in eighth grade. Talk about a kid who 
who really just understood and had a very high IQ for an early age it was Jerry. He he could pass the ball out of the high post. He could he, he developed a very good from what I understand now he really shoots the three well, uh, great rebounder, just a, a nice shot blocker, just a just a real nice knack for the game. Exactly. Uh, I saw his highlight tape from Dickinson. I was uh, I mean he really is playing well and when I when I looked at him in high school you you, you spared the minute and a half? I did, I spared the minute and a half. There was a lot of loud music that I had to tuned down a little bit, but it was definitely, I mean, Jerry, he's just looking solid. I mean, when I watched him in high school, I thought, I said, this kid's a Division One player. He's six, what, six, eight? About six, eight. Six, 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 eight, six, nine. Uh, had a nice shot. Was just a, just a good player. So uh, it's, it's, it's great to see him doing so well at the college level. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, like we said, we can get into the college players who are currently playing right now for days, but uh, right now we'll just we'll just focus on the high school and save that for uh, March come come March Madness time, and uh, then we'll start getting into that. Uh, again, uh, if you want to call call in, uh, the number is one three four seven two one five eight one two six. You can hit us up on Twitter at the match underscore up zone, and obviously on Facebook at the match up zone. I think Coach Crawford's uh, out of the green room now, and Dave Allen's here. Uh, we have Coach Allen and Coach Crawford are here. They're nice enough to come on. Kev, can we cue them? Uh, can I believe. We, can we cue them up, up here? here? I believe we can. So how? Do you hear the? Uh, is it echoing in your end? No, it's not. Oh, good. Then it's just me. All right, awesome. So everyone can hear us. Coach Crawford, can you hear us? I can. I can hear. I have a little bit of echo. You have to be on. How come, How come you can't hear? I have a little bit of an echo. Coach Crawford, can you hear us? Okay. 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 So we're all here. So we have Coach Allen, Coach Cherry Lee's High School, started out in. Coach, what year's for you at Eastern? Uh, 
Well, that's that, 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 do you have a different, different approach when you're playing a former team or a, a big team? No, it's going to be around how, 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 how are you kind of, kind of are you nervous? Or or how do you get people to get game? I, 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 I don't probably want to be calm to try to keep your team calm, but how do you kind of cope with all the energy and things like that? Well, I try to treat every every game the same. Whatever game that's next on your schedule, that's the biggest game on your schedule. So you just try to prepare a team as you normally would because the kids. Well, 
and it's the sex my final before the Olympic City. And there's a lot of, a lot of teams uh, in the middle there. I coached a really good team in 2005 at East Coast, one of my favorite teams. But also, I coached Adam Salafaro in 2000, one of my top teams. And then in 2007, with Ian Davis. So that would be like in no particular order, the five. Absolutely, that's 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 pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of good teams there, and a lot of we we did the draft last week. A lot of good players uh, that, that both of you have coached. I mean, we talked briefly at practice today about uh, Cherry Hoist only having what what is it two two three scholarship athletes since in the past what twenty something years. No, it was well. We were, we were having a conversation, conversation and, and Coach, Coach Miller, I, I always defer to Coach Crawford. I don't, I don't want to do too much talking. I want to do a lot of listening. You know, it's like soccer. It's like soccer. I'm around. I don't think I know what I do. I don't think I know what I don't know. You're probably right. When I think of what's happening to basketball now, it's the travel teams and AAU coaches and coaches are skipping over high school. And, and kids, kids are, are you know, looking beyond high school to college. And we've had, had two scholarship players in the last 25 years at Cherry Hill East. We've got some pretty good teams. And, you know, Chris Santo was a 2,500-point scorer last year. Uh, he got a full scholarship to Vermont. He was original last year. And now he's happy. He's playing Division II ball at Anselm's. He's had kids who have gone Division three. We've had kids like Mark Schlesel, who's just going to Michigan and just be a student. Uh, you know, high school basketball should be enjoyable. Uh, the atmosphere that Saturday when I was at the Hanley uh, Capital Fall 16, which is just a great atmosphere. And you're talking about February, and it felt like March. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. I'd rather be at uh, that game than uh, 300 people at the Elizabethtown Widener game uh, that I was at back in uh, December. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, we're, we're, I think we're fixing we're fixing the problem right now. So uh, that's uh, like we said, Candy Catholic has. Uh, I think there's always been that that great crowd that's, that that is drawn into Candy Catholic because it has such a it has a great tradition. And uh, what's it like to to I mean to really have established. That tradition. I mean, Camden Catholic, in terms of history, when, once you started coaching, they really developed quite the quite a big time program. And now every year, Camden, it's always Camden Catholic is, is always one of the best teams in South Jersey. I mean, that's the, in terms of twenty win seasons. You look at the the board and just twenty win season after twenty win season and the streaks and and what have you. I think that's how did I mean. In terms of, I mean, you left such an important legacy, 700 wins. Uh, it's, I mean, how do you, is it, is it still have the same same feeling to go out and coach uh, now as it did, you know, like you said, that first game where your heart's beating. Uh, do you, is it still the same now as it was back then? It, uh, it's still very, very enjoyable. You love being around the kids. Thank you for all your compliments about the program. Our, uh, you know, our kids work very, very hard, and I, I agree with some of the things Dave just said. That there's really not as many scholarship players in the area. We currently have uh, Kyle Green, who's going to go to Temple on a scholarship, but 
over the years, we probably only have had 10, 12 players get uh, Division One scholarships. I think a lot of parents are misled by, misled by that mm-hmm. uh, list in the Courier Post. They list all the college commitments. They're just college commitments. They're not, they're not really scholarships. And it's probably only three or four players a year in South Jersey get Division One scholarships, mm-hmm. uh, if that many. Uh, the program itself, uh, playing in an atmosphere like uh, the Paul Six game the other night, it, it is really cool for all those kids. I feel good for the kids on both sides to get to participate. That's why you work so hard in the off season, so you get into that setting. And uh, yeah, your horse still gets going, but uh, quite honestly, I, you just don't get as nervous as you used to as a young coach. As an older coach, you just know it's going to be a fun night, and you know that the kids are human. They're going to make some mistakes, and they're going to do some nice things, and uh, you're just there to support them and try to guide them in the right area. Uh, but it's high school basketball. You know, for for people that come out and pay three or four dollars to watch these kids and watch the human side of them and and the effort and how much they put out. I think what Dave was alluding to is that. Uh, your childhood isn't going to be there forever, and those high school days are just so important to all these young players, boys and girls, and uh, for them to jump into and think that the AAU is more important, I think they're missing the point. You know, being surrounded by your friends and making friendships on the high school level and uh, and enjoying your days and supporting the other kids in their activities and, and being part of a school where you have to academically uh, make the standards and you have to uh, be good for the dean of students and, and cooperate and, and be part of a community. The, the high school has it right. The AAU is uh, kind of missing a lot of the points, and it's almost uh, hurting uh, the game of basketball from what I can see. It's kind of making it uh, not as much fun. I, I think that uh, some of the uh, messages are, are not going in the right direction, Kevin. And that's interesting. I mean, you, you hear people talk about that, and I think a lot of high school coaches are in agreement that AAU – it's not exactly as good as everyone thinks it is, and a lot of people think I, – I know some AU coaches who think the world of AU, and I've actually uh, – my wife loves AU because it got her a scholarship because she's from a small school. However, I think the majority of high school coaches might tend to agree that uh, AU might not be the greatest thing in the world in terms of getting a guy to be – the smartest player in the court because you're focused on an individual game and then you go back to your high school and you have to play a team game. But this, the kids are starting to look at AU as more important than your high school, which uh, when we talked to Brian Zubek, he alluded to that, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Right, and, and I understand where, where people are coming from. Uh, as far as the colleges recognizing the kids, they, they are going to watch on the AAU surface because – uh, why go to one gym, uh, Camden Catholic, and the next night another gym, Cherry Oise, and then down to Ocean City and kill three nights when you can see all these players at one time in the summertime. Therefore, AAU has gained some leverage as far as uh, recruiting tools. But AAU, and my pro- the problem I have with them is their philosophy is that they can uh, stack their teams. Uh, they, they can pay the kids' uh, trips on long trips. If the kid steps out of line, there's, there's nothing done about it. If mm-hmm. the kid uh, the kid doesn't have to do anything academically, if he wants to jump to another team, and, and that philosophy has just become part of it. The other thing I really have a problem with, Kevin, is uh, the rules of the game. You know, the, the jump stop. I now see kids taking three or four bunny hot steps, no calls, uh, palming the basketball, uh, you know, hands all over. There's no respect for the rules, lack of respect for the rules. And mm-hmm. I see the referees kind of buying in a little bit. And I just think the game is revolving. Maybe I'm too old as time to get out. But, <laughs> but I, I just, uh, you know, I don't think the game has passed me by, but the, 
the AAU and, and the recruiting and, and the direction that we're going in that, I, I think that it's almost a professional down to the college now, down to the high school level that's, that's hurting the kids. And I just thought the game was very, very pure before all the high school sports, and it's, it's getting a little tainted now through this AAU. And uh, I don't know if the state knows what to do about school administrators. I think it's getting out of hand, and it's, uh, it's a difficult situation. And, and uh, meanwhile, uh, I'm just so fortunate to be involved with the high school level, and I just like uh, all the good things, all the good values that you're allowed to teach the kids uh, when you have them for those 100 days during the winter. Absolutely. Again, if you have uh, questions, uh, the number is 347-215-8126. Tweet us at the match underscore up zone and the match up zone on Facebook. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Hey, for those of you confused, uh, Coach Allen and I are still here. Uh, <laughs> I was confused. Uh, Co- Co- Coach Allen, you, you kind of you kind of were mentored by Coach Lord for all these years. Can you talk a little bit about what it kind of meant to you and kind of your coach's philosophies? Yeah, well, Coach Valori, uh, you know, probably, it's definitely similar uh, to what Coach Crawford has been to uh, you and Kevin. You know, I, I've always, I've always said, I, I, I wouldn't trade my coach uh, in for anybody. But if I, you know, if I had to, uh, uh, wasn't coached by Coach Valori. From what I've seen at Camden Catholic. It would have been an honor to be coached by uh, Coach Crawford because I can see the same values and the same principles being stressed in, in the program at Camden Catholic that I received at Cherry Hill East. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be coaching now or had the opportunities that I've been able to attain if it wasn't for Coach Valori. He exposed me to so much at such a young age and uh, required for me to study, uh, required for me to go to clinics and college practices. I actually played uh, – college basketball uh, for a, a guy who uh, Coach Valori, Mike Holland, played with So uh, in college at Westchester. So, and I echo everything that Coach Crawford said earlier. You know, guys like Coach Crawford, uh, Coach Valori, you're not going to see coaches like that anymore. You know, guys got jobs as teachers and coaches, and they remained there until they retired. And they were in it for the right reasons. They weren't looking to jump to administration or, or jump into college. Uh, they were there, and I got interviewed um, uh, probably a couple years ago when Coach Valori won his 500 victory, and I never forget what I said. I, I said a quote that a coach affects eternity, and his influence cannot be measured. And you know, that's what a coach. That's what a coach was. That's what a coach is, and, and that's what Coach Crawford was uh, for for you and Mike. And, and that's that's what the coach is. Uh, coach Valori is for me. Absolutely, uh, and and that's that's interesting when you talk about you know mentors and how important they are. And you look at, I mean, if you look at some of the coaches in South Jersey, and you look at a lot of them are from the same. I mean, you with Valori, and you talk about Dave Quinn with Valori, and you talk about Kevin Crawford, uh, Matt Crawford, myself. Uh, I mean, there's there's plenty others that. that they have that pedigree because they saw what happened, and it's it's almost you know I want to do that. I want to be able to influence kids' lives. So when I get older, that's what I want. When they get older, that they look back on me, and it's, it just becomes reciprocal. And that's something that I think is very interesting. That you don't really look at how how much it affects how much some of these kids uh, are affected by your high school coach and I think that's just such an impressionable time of your life of your life and you get into college and it's almost it becomes and this is 
this is me saying this, and this is not the opinion of everyone, but it, it does become almost like a job. I mean, you're on scholarship, and you're, you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to maintain this, and it, 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 you, you get that love, you get that guidance, but it, it's not the same as it is when you're in high school, and it's what you choose to do as opposed to what as opposed to be kind of being thrown into it. So that's something that I think is very important in terms of uh, how, how, how much high school kids are influenced by their, by their coaches. No, so. no, no, doubt, no doubt about it, Kev. Um, Coach Crawford, can you talk a little bit about how the players have kind of changed from maybe your earlier days until you know, now and maybe how the parents have changed as well? Yeah, Mike, uh, what I can see the players have changed is uh, there's there's more individuality, whereas they're, uh, they have personal trainers, they're, they're playing basketball 12 months a year, uh, they're into, uh, you know, more physical fitness, uh, they're, uh, you know, they're, to me they're overcommitted to, to basketball, I don't think the child should be overcommitted at a young age. Uh, maybe junior, senior year, but I'd like to see the kids play more sports and have, you know, enjoy their childhood, have more activities uh, rather than just specialize in basketball. I think that uh, the kids uh, today uh, mean well, and, and they certainly chart their listening skills are not as good. I think that modern technology has changed that uh, they're not as good as listeners. I find myself as a coach having to say things two, three, four times before it sinks in, whereas years ago it sank in right away. And yet they're very respectful, and, uh, and I, I won't compromise my, my values. I, I think that they, they have to respond and listen like anybody else, and, and hopefully uh, I'm helping them along with their lives as as we move along. Uh, they, the other things about the kids are they're a little bit bigger, they're a little bit stronger, uh, but, you know, society's, society's a little soft. The kids are a little soft, but uh, they're very, very nice kids, and I'm, I'm happy to be around. My, I really enjoy going to algebra class every day and being surrounded by these kids uh, at Canada Catholic and the other schools, too. And, you know, the other day I saw Dave Allen play against Bishop Eustis on film, and I'm watching Dave jump in the pile with the Terry Hill East kids <laughs> after their uh, dramatic win at the end. It was just good to see. I felt bad for Bobby Falconero. But, uh, you know, sometimes you're in that winning pile, and, and sometimes you're, you're standing and watching it. But it's fun to be part of the, the kids and uh, – there is a difference in the kids, but it's they're they're good people and they're they're good kids. It's fun to be around. Absolutely, uh, that, that that's interesting when you talk about uh, almost excitement levels too. Because I look at a guy like John Valori, and he had that that he was he was constantly going, and then you see that in, in Dave. I look at you, and you know it's it's calm, it's composed, and I I mean it's it's unbelievable to watch Kevin and Matt. Because they're they're so similar in terms of how they act on the sidelines. I mean, it's 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 really cool to see, and that's kind of how I am as well. I try to be con- composed. I, I'm a little more hot tempered, but I try to stay composed. But it's it's fun to see that kind of pass down and how coaches respond to winning and how they respond to losing. And I think that really shows the character of a coach and 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 what they what how much it matters and that's something that a high school coach i mean you're, you're you look at college coaches making millions of dollars and then you look at the high school coach who is devoting a lot of his time and 
you're also a teacher as well, and it's, it's you're not making the millions, but that's what makes it so important, and that's what makes it so exciting to be a high school coach because it's just a pure basketball. It's the enjoyment of the game. It's not about the money. It's not about this. It's not about sponsors. It's about just being on the court and and loving basketball, and that's and teaching the kids, and that's what that's why I have developed. That's why I wanted to be a high school coach because that's kind of what I wanted to give back to the community and the people who have done been so good to me. Kev, you're 100% right. A lot, of, a lot of people I'll talk to and I'll say, you know, these coaches aren't coaching for the money. They're coaching because they love coaching basketball. Um, you know, and, and what a lot of a lot of the listeners may not know is Coach Parker and Coach Allen. I've known Coach Allen probably since I was 13 years old playing basketball growing up, and they're they're really really good people, and they care about kids, they care about the futures, uh, they're always looking out, uh, you can always go back to them and talk to them if you have any questions about life or anything like that, and I think that's where, uh, what separates kind of the basketball and the teaching about life aspect, I mean, I, I remember Coach Crawford would always say, uh, it's always religion, family, then basketball, or I'm sorry, no, I think, I think school was before basketball, Coach? Priorities in life, right? It's, it's your uh, your family and religion first, and then it's your schoolwork, and then it's your uh, school activity or uh, your sport. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, Co- Coach Allen, uh, another question. For I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Coach Allen. I just, you know, I want to kind of reiterate uh, kind of what what Kevin said and what Mike said. Uh, there's something Congress magazine. Uh, that a friend of mine told me, I don't read Economist magazine, but he told me that people are the happiest when they take uh, in between eighty and $90,000. Now, I can tell you this, and, and Coach Crawford, forgive me for this one, I don't know how much Coach Crawford makes, okay, and I don't need to know, but I can tell you one thing. Talking to his players and knowing them, uh, watching his teams play, uh, being there, uh, a week ago when his team beat Lenape for a 700 victory, if you can't tell me, and all the success he has as a high school player and a, a college player and having the opportunity to coach his sons and, and watch his daughter play, you, you can't put a price tag on that. And, you know, I'll be dead before I get 700 wins. But, you know what, there's richness in coaching. There's richness in teaching. And you just don't see uh, coaches – hanging around for 30 or 40 years anymore. And, and that's disappointing because they're always looking for that next job or that administrative job or that college job, and they're missing the point. And the point is how you affect uh, lives since you coach. And I, and, I, and I just see Mike uh, and, and you, Kevin, and just seeing how much Coach Crawford has meant to you and think about how much Coach Fleury has meant to me. And that's just, you know, I hope – that I could be doing this, and I'm doing the same for my players. Absolutely, and I, I mean, I see it every day in practice. I mean, you look at a, a, a kid like Jesse Gold, and you could see how much you meant Coach Allen to him, and now you see Jesse Gold, He's he, I could see him coming back and being a high school coach. I mean, he the way he he's at the games, he's talking to the players, he comes in and speaks to the team sometimes. I mean, he he has that same kind of mentality, and I think that's, I mean, 
you look at the, the, some of the people in there, just like, oh, Jesse Gold, he was, he was this, he was that. I mean, you look at us, and we think Jesse Gold was one of the most important players last year for our team because of his leadership and because of what he meant. And uh, I think you look at your legacy on Jesse, and, and, and I see that. I see how important it is that he, Jesse had you in his life because I think he has changed and I think he has uh, really developed a great coaching pedigree just based on the fact that last year you really molded him and, and structured him and, and really had him exactly where you wanted him to be. And now it's so great to see that he is – he looks like he's going to be the kind of kid who's going to give back. Absolutely, Kev. Um, Coach Crawford, can you talk a little bit about maybe uh, – I don't think we could talk about Canada Catholic basketball – without kind of talking about Coach Merton, who's been your right-hand man for 25-plus years. Talk a little bit about what Coach Merton's meant to the program and to you personally, uh, working alongside with him, alongside him all these years. Well, uh, yeah, C- Coach Merton is uh, very valuable. He, he's always – him and I had a talk uh, 30 years ago about uh, what he could do, what he could not do, and I had been the assistant coach for Monsignor McDermott. Uh, Monsignor McDermott has been there for 38 years. I was his assistant for three, and he's been my assistant for 35. Jerry Merton uh, was the captain of my first team. His brother was the captain of my second. His other brother was the captain of my third. God rest his soul, Dominic. But, uh, you know, over the years, Joey and I have become so close that uh, he's the godfather of my daughter and uh, Robert's the godfather of my son. And it's just... uh, it's just amazing what those guys have done, what they mean to my life. And, you know, you watch these kids and you hope that they uh, make a lot of good friendships. But, you know, along the way, us coaches have made a lot of friends also. And, and my coaching staff is just so much fun to be around. You know, we all care about the kids, Dave Allen and, and all these coaches. And uh, we all care about the kids so much. It's just fun to have other adults in your life that uh, sit down and will talk about these kids and what we can do to help them and, and enjoy and laugh about something silly that happened at practice. And, uh, and just continue to be part of these young kids' lives and, and care about them and realize that there's other people. And back to that coaching comment, the, uh, I just see so many good young coaches in the area, and I'm, I'm glad that some of them are getting a chance. I feel bad because some of these school boards uh, chase these kids out, and there's a lot of great basketball minds. And my God, if I didn't have the support that I had in the beginning, I would have been chased out in a couple of years. And, and uh, you know, Canada Catholic community was very, very nice to me, and they allowed me a chance to uh, to make some mistakes and grow, and I hope that some of these other young kids get that same opportunity. Uh, but I do see a lot of good young coaches out there putting in the time, uh, taping, asking questions, uh, supporting each other. And, you know, it's a 100-day push for all of us coaches. It's about 100 days long, and it just it gets long this time of year. And, and, you know, you think you're the only one going through it, and there's another 100 coaches in South Jersey doing the same thing, and there's thousands of coaches around the world uh, uh, pushing and, and enjoying those teams, and you know, you watch that Super Bowl yesterday, and it, it, it's a push. It's a push, and then it finally comes to an end. And uh, you know, the season's winding down. We're at day number 68, I believe it is. We have about 32 days left, and that's the way I measure it. And uh, being able to push forward with Joey Merton and Robert Merton and Monsignor McDermott and those guys, it, it, it's really something special. And I, I also admire the Cherry Hill East coaching staff and a lot of other staffs out there. It's uh, fun to be part of South Jersey basketball. Absolutely, and uh, as you as you were saying, you alluded to in terms of the the season winding down and and coming to an end. I mean, some of these programs, this is the this is probably the toughest stretch of the season because you're back in the conference play. You're you're playing your conference rivals. You, 
your your guys are beat up. I mean, they've been going hard for this long. And they there was an article in the paper about Lenape and how Chucky needs to kind of keep these guys going because they always have that February lapse, and that's something that's so important for them to not have that February lapse. And I think a lot of teams experience it because – they're high school kids. I mean, they're, they're, they have exams also to worry about and, and all these things. And now they're in the final stretch of their season, and you have your seniors and, and guys that are thinking about, okay, where am I going to college? And also they're thinking about this is my this is my last two weeks or three weeks of basketball. So trying to take advantage. So uh, as a coach, how do you how do you almost approach that situation? How do you figure that out? And how do you get to the point where, okay, you, we need to get on the right track. How do you express that to your players? I think you take it uh, daily. You take it play by play. Uh, just an hour ago, my uh, starting point guard turned his ankle, and I don't know if he's available for use this game tomorrow or not, but uh, somebody else will get a chance to play is the way you look at it. The uh, uh, you know, the schedule gets tough this time of year. We're playing Eustis and Middle Township, two very, very good teams. Then we play Camden right after that. We just played Paul the six. And uh, it, all the coaches are in the we're in the same boat. We're all pushing forward and, and trying to take on these challenges. Uh, but there's always something unexpected. Again, you go back to that Super Bowl game, where, where does that blackout come from and how are you going to adjust to it? There's always going to be uh, something where a bad ankle goes. Uh, there's been so much sickness around in all these high schools this year. And, you, you know, everyone thinks, well, it was me, but everybody else is going through the same thing. And you just uh, you, you push, you push, and you realize in the end the kids are watching you, and hopefully they're uh, they're learning some good uh, good values in life as you, as you make your push. Yeah, great, great points there. I want to ask both coaches. Um, you guys both play in the Olympic Conference, uh, traditionally strong conference. What is it like kind of gearing up and – the different styles and you know one it, it's it's kind of brutal you might play Lenape on a Tuesday, Shawnee Thursday and a Bishop Eustis on Saturday. How, how do you kind of keep your kids mentally prepared and kind of focused for all those games? Uh coach Crawford? Uh it's the Olympic conference is brutal. It's just a, a very very difficult schedule and you really don't get a chance to zero in on one or one or two games. Uh, one thing I have noticed over the years is that uh, the it's very difficult when you play on a Tuesday and you have to be ready on Thursday. Uh, if you play on Tuesday and you don't have to play till Saturday, you have those extra couple days to prepare. It makes it a lot easier. But in the Olympic Conference, you basically play, you practice Monday, play Tuesday, practice Wednesday, go Thursday, practice Friday, and go Saturday. And there's usually three very, very tough opponents down there. But you get used to it, and in the end, you realize uh, as you play some of the teams out of the conference how how good it has made your made your players. Coach Allen, did you hear the question? I didn't hear the question. The, the question was, with the Olympic Conference being traditionally a strong conference, how do you what is it like playing the different styles and the different schools, and how tough is it to prepare if you have a, a, a Lenape on on Tuesday and a, a, a Paul Six on a Thursday? Yeah, well. I I can I echo the same sentiments that Coach Crawford had. Uh, it's the same. It's it, it's 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 very it's, it's a very difficult uh, it's a very difficult league. And when they went a couple years ago to uh, 20 games in the league, I thought it would eliminate some of our teams uh, from the playoffs. It hasn't because they went to a 16 team with the group. Um, but you have to prepare very differently for Lenape as you as you would uh, Paul the Six, and then you have may play Camden, and then you know it's different styles. 
and teams are all well coached. It's a really tough league, and you just have to game plan very differently for for each team. But you know, now with scouting and DVDs, uh, people get out and uh, scout much more uh, than they did, I would say, 10, 15 years ago. Cool, cool. Do we have a caller? Do we, we have a caller? We did have a yeah, we did. We had a caller. They dropped off. The switch, the switchboard's not lighting up. Yeah, we, well, he was there. Uh, maybe he'll be back. Maybe, it, I mean, maybe it was Tom from Palmyra. You know, he's he's always he's always up for uh, for a call or two uh, to come in. Uh, but coaches, we talked last. We had a fantasy draft last week. Kevin and I kind of put together the top well, ninety players in, or seventy five players in South Jersey from nineteen ninety on. Of course, we missed some guys. Coach Crawford, who's the best player? Well, let's take Dewan Wagner out of the equation because I think he may be uh, an obvious choice. But who, other than Dewan, maybe Dewan wasn't. Who's the best player you've coached against in South Jersey? Uh, you know, Dewan's certainly up there. There's, there's so many good ones. Uh, you know, year in and year out, you you see that group that makes first teams all South Jersey or second team all South Jersey, and you realize you played against a lot of them because a lot of them come from the Olympic Conference. Uh, we did play against uh, Brevin Knight from Seton Hall. He was uh, certainly an outstanding player. I think we've played against something like 10 or 15 guys that have made it to the NBA and uh, another 10 or 15 guys that have made it to the NFL. Uh, and I hate mentioning names because you, you, you mention somebody and leave somebody else out, but uh, all all those players from uh, Camden, Hyverbury, go so many good players from Houston and Cherry Hill East. So you go back to the Olympic Conference, there's just good player after good player, and a lot of times I remind our players when we play against a stud player, is that you want to play at the next level, you better get used to it because you're going to see that every night. <laughs> right. Coach Allen, do you want to uh, mention any names? or I, You know, again, we played against uh, Dewan Wagner, Ernest Turner. They were probably uh, two of the best. But, uh, you know, guys in the Olympic Conference and so many Division One players, uh, I think if we only played against two NBA players, I could be, you know, I could be mistaken, but I Who think. Who were they? I think it's Dewan Wagner and Jason Thompson, I believe. And I could be missing out on uh Dennis Horner or by Holy Spirit. We never played them. We scrimmaged them though. We scrimmaged. Let's go. We scrimmaged. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh, Coach Crawford, can you talk a little bit about? Uh, I think Kansas won three state championships. Can you talk a little bit about? the excitement of the run to a state championship. I mean, obviously you need a lot of things to kind of break your way. You need kids not to get sick. Uh, you know, kids don't get hurt. Maybe you need an upset along the way. A team you don't match up well with gets knocked off. So talk a little bit about, and also in 2010, I believe Camden Catholic was in the tournament champions final. So it's got to be kind of neat knowing that you're the last two teams in, in, in New Jersey practicing the day before. Is that pretty cool? It is. You, you know, you, everybody's goal is to get to that state championship. You never know when it's going to happen. And, uh, we had had some very good teams, and not one of the better teams, uh, P.D. Adams Group in 2001, ended up winning the first state championship in 57 years for Camden Cowling. It was really cool that it happened, and it was a, a, a monkey off my back, so to speak, that we finally had gotten there. And uh, we've won a couple more since then, and we did make it to the Tournament of Champions final uh, twice. But you, you never know when it's going to happen. Uh, you know, you do have to catch some breaks. In 1994, we had a good chance of, of winning it, but uh, a player sitting next to me actually got injured right before it, and, years, and I didn't find out until years later he was horsing around wrestling. But <laughs> Mike, Gould, Mike, Gould, Mike Gould cost me the fourth championship, and uh, 
Billy Bar Billy Burr ran in the mail ten years later. <laughs> Coach Coach Allen, you know, a lot, a lot of times Charlie's kind of gets a bad rap with Coach Valerio. Oh, well, you know, they never won a state championship. This and that. I don't think I don't think the public and just general basketball fans know how hard it is to win a state title. Back in the '80s, when Charlie's had their best teams, they ran up against Camden, who had their best teams. So. It's very difficult. I think people just say, oh, well, he's never won a state championship. That doesn't mean he's a good coach. He's won 12 state championships. He's a great coach. I think you need I think you need players. My father-in-law always says it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Johnny's and Joe's. So I think you need players as well to win. Can, can you, you know, and Cherry Hulis this year might have to play in Atlantic City. In the state. You, know, you might have to play Atlantic City, Lenape, some very good teams. Talk a little bit about how difficult it is to kind of make that run through the state tournament. Well, in the in the eighties when Coach Valori had his best teams where he had uh he had Nick and Tom Kasikas, Mark Levy, Frank Williams, uh it was one of the uh you know, Cherry Lease was one of the top five teams in the state of New Jersey. However, Camden was number one in the country. So Coach Valori I, I think is a great, great coach. He's a great teacher. He's one of the best teachers I've ever seen. Um I think he got caught up with some bad luck, you know. Uh, when we had a really good team in 1994 with Brent Fisher, Brendan Cody, and the Schofields, uh, we ran into a tough Atlantic City team and just, you know, just didn't shoot the ball well. In 2006, he ran into an Atlantic City team and didn't shoot it well. Uh, 2010, you know, Shawnee comes in and upsets us. And it was just like, and then, you know, I take over for him, and it's lightning in a bottle. It's nothing special I did. We we got fortunate. We went on, we went on a run, and uh, – and luck went our way, and, and so, um, but it's so hard to win in Group Four. I mean, you look at the teams: Atlantic City, Lenape, Shawnee. Uh, this year, it's just it's just Eastern. You just look, and, and you have to go to those places. And Tom's River North, I think they're the top five seeds. And you know, it's just it's very difficult, very difficult to win. But that's like in any group: Group One, Group Two, uh, the Parochials. It's tough. It's tough. When you get the playoffs, it's one game. It's one game, and uh, you want to get hot at the right time. Coach Crawford, uh, your son Kevin is now the head coach of Pittman High School, and he's had a lot of success in his first few years, has some really nice players down there, Tim Delaney and Eric Stafford, and I believe they uh, got a transfer from St. Anthony's. How often do you guys talk, or does Kevin call on you for some advice about, you know, how do I attack this or, you know, this team, you know, things like that? How do you guys kind of complement each other? Uh, Kevin and I talk uh, three, four times a week. Uh, I usually make one or two of his games every week. He makes one of them two of ours uh, when he can, and uh, I love watching his teams play. Uh, they they run a lot of our stuff, and I'm a little disappointed because they run it better than we do, and, and he just, uh, what, the first time I went to see him coach, I, I saw the guard was open on the back door, and that's the seven play, and before I could get the words out, I, I saw him yell L7, and I knew right away he, he had it, he saw all the right things, and he, he's very, very good with the kids, I'm just very proud of him. We actually uh, scrimmage each other each year, and it, it's a fun time, and it's a lot of respect, and uh uh, I'm very, very proud of Kevin as, as a coach and, and as a son. And your son, Matty, is also the freshman coach at Camden Catholic. Who, who, I believe they went undefeated a few years ago, so I, th- I think Matty's doing a real nice job there as well. Um, coach Allen, can, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, you said that you said that Cherry Hulis has had some tough, t- tough luck and stuff like that. Again, I think you need to stay healthy. Uh, some things have to break your way. Maybe you don't match up well against this team. That team gets knocked off, and maybe you guys can slide right in. Uh, in terms of this year, who who do you think the toughest competition this year will be for uh, for Charlie Lewis? I, I believe you guys have Clearview in the first round. 
and maybe Shawnee in the second round if everything breaks the way it should? I hope our players are, are listening to this because I told them today at practice that after uh, today there's no talk about uh, the playoffs because, you know, we have seven games remaining. Um, an outside shot, uh, you know, to possibly compete for the division. and So we don't want them to be uh, focused in on what's going to occur in February, which we can't, you know, necessarily control. Um, but I think everybody's trying to stay away from, you know, that Atlantic City. Um, heck, I'm trying to stay away from all of them. So, you know, but Atlantic City and Atlantic is very difficult. And, you, could, you know, at Shawnee, and, you know, it's just going to be a tough road, tough road at Eastern. So it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, there's no easy road in the uh, in, in Group 4. I believe we have Tom from Palmyra on the line. He's become a regular caller. Tom from Palmyra, you're on the air. Hey, Mike. Hi. How's it going tonight? Long-time listener. Great show. Great show tonight. Are you a first-time caller? Not a first-time caller. Long-time listener. I've been listening a long time. Who's this, Kevin? Yeah, this is this is Kevin, Tom. Uh, okay, great. Good to hear your voice every once in a while, Kevin. No question. <laughs> I try to get a word in edgewise sometimes. It's, it's, it's difficult. Mike Mike has a grand uh, idea of himself. He wants everybody to hear his voice and his opinion. <laughs> I was wondering so if I could up, ask Tom? Coach... I want to see if I can uh, ask Coach Skywalker a question. Skyman. 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 Oh, Coach Skyman. Skyman, yeah, my apologies, my apologies. I was wondering if the coach feels like when he's going against other teams, does he coach more to the strength of his team or does he coach more towards the weakness of the team he's going against? That's a good point. I, I think uh, as a younger coach, you don't realize you have to get your mind in the other coach's mind as as well. And as the game goes on, you're trying, you're you're worried about your matchups, and if you can get your mind into, into his, you're worried about what his matchups are also. What's he doing and why did he call timeout? And you try to teach the game to the kids. He probably called timeout to change something. So expect the change when it comes out. And uh, I like your question. Always try to get in the other coach's mind. No question, no question. But I was wondering, what, like, when you go into the game, do you think what do you think is this more for Coach Allen? Or the strength? This is for Coach Allen, right? This question. Oh, is Coach Dale Allen? Okay, uh, is Dale Allen there? Well, actually, we're for uh, Mr. Allen. I was going to ask. Uh, it, it... <laughs> His name is actually Dave. It's, uh, oh, uh, it's not Dale. It's Coach David Allen. Uh, well, I've met Dave a few times. Yeah, he's a great coach. I was just wondering if he's uh, going to institute the pistol offense sometime soon. The pistol offense. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's going to work in uh, high school basketball. <laughs> well, I don't know, Dale. With uh, your skills, I think you can maybe make it work. <laughs> Thompson Palmyra. He's a. Uh, become a regular caller. Yeah, he is. He's. He's a big, uh, he's a big, uh, I can't remember the guy's name now, from Palmyra. Oh, he's a big Clayton Brown Clayton fan. Clayton Brown fan, yeah, he's a big Clayton Brown fan. He, uh, obviously from Palmyra, he, uh, is a good, the other side of the bridge now, over there. Joe McCulgan. Joe McCulgan, that's it. Now, I, Joe McCulgan. Is that Tom, a hard C or a soft C, Tom, Tom, hold on, buddy, Tom, hold on. Tom and I were talking a couple of days ago. Now, you guys are coaches, obviously. We're watching the Super Bowl last night, and... Tom and I always talked that why do you take a timeout in the second half as a, and not take a five-yard penalty? To me, those timeouts are like gold at the end of the game. And no question. <laughs> okay, thanks, Tom. But, <laughs> but I mean, and, and let's, let's say it's second and three and the play clock's running down. Do you guys believe in calling that timeout or saving that timeout in the second? I mean, 
Isn't that isn't that timeout like gold at the end of the game? Tom, Tom Cohen, if you're listening, you can call in. Uh, who's the head football coach at Terry Lee's? Tom Cohen. Yeah. He, I th- he probably I has agree a you, Mike. I say you you, uh, you have to save that timeout. Timeouts are right. valuable at the end of the game, and uh, we some. I think Andy Reid's a, a great coach in some areas. That's not one of the areas that he was was strong in uh, managing that clock and those timeouts. But I, I like to save them to the end. In fact, I. Go home with them. I have a few left over for the next couple seasons. <laughs> a couple left over in your pocket. Coach Allen, what do you think about well, the Well, I, I always think um, I, I agree. I agree with uh, everyone. I just think, you know, the football coaches and all coaches have to make split-second decisions. You know, and they have, you know, and if it works for them, then, you know, everyone's okay with it. But if it doesn't work, then everyone goes back and questions why they used a timeout in the third quarter. Now, if they use a timeout and go down and score a touchdown, then it worked. Mm-hmm. All right, Tom, well, some uh, some nice callers. Uh, you're hitting up Roxy's Tavern tonight over there in Palmyra, or where are you going? Oh, yeah, well, the gang, we, we all listen over here at Burns Tavern and uh, in Palmyra. It's a great show, and look forward to um, bigger and better shows. All right, Tom, thanks for checking with us next week, Tom. All right, Mike, uh, let your co-host talk every once in a while, Sam. Good show. See you, Tom. No question. So Tom from Palmyra, he's a uh, – if you listen to the show, he, he's a great caller. He does have a lot of insight. He he obviously knows what he's talking about. He's a big basketball fan, and uh, it's it's fun fun to get in. Again, uh, if, you're, if you're listening and you want to have a question for Coach Crawford or Coach Allen – the number is one three four seven two one five eight one two six. You can hit us up on Twitter at the match up underscore zone and on Facebook at the matchup or the matchup zone. Um, again, this is a this is a question in general to to uh, both. I mean, we talk about end of the game situations. How important do you think uh, those those types of situations are? I mean, I know coaches who practice. A lot of those situations end of the game, and, and you never know if it's ever going to come in handy. I mean, we've we've practiced at Cherry Hill East last year some end of the game situations, and it ended up winning the Hanfield game for us when when you run a play. How often do you practice those? Do you do you try to implement those? Is it important to you? Is it not as important to you, Coach Crawford? You never know when you're going to use it. I, I feel in November and December you do very little of it because you're, there's too much other material to get uh, your team ready for. Uh, come January, you start getting end-of-game situations. Uh, today we just changed side out of bounds and put in two new two new looks, and there's always something to learn in this game. As long as I've been around, I'm still learning lots about basketball, and it's fun to be able to learn about it. But uh, end-of-game situations, you do practice your delay game and special plays, and uh, sometimes they come forward and, and sometimes they don't. I, I agree with Coach Crawford. There's a lot to work with, uh, work on at the beginning of the season. So, um, but I special situations are so important. Um, you know, special situations can occur at the end of the quarter, the end of the half, you know, end of the third quarter, and end of the you know end of the game. I, I probably shouldn't say this. I don't know who's listening, but um, we always we always want to take the last shot. You know, you always want to take the last shot, and there's benefits in doing that. And you have to work on your delay game in order to in order to do that. So you want to you want to you want to work on that so your kids feel comfortable. Yeah, Dave, it's funny you should say that. One of the things that you always stress, and now I always find myself looking at it in a game situation, is if there's 
maybe 20 seconds left in the clock. I always find myself looking. There's 20 seconds left on the clock in the end of the maybe the end of the third quarter, and it's a tight ball game. You always say you look at the possession arrow. If you get the ball to start the next quarter, you want to try to get that last shot because let's say you hit a three at the buzzer, and then you start the third, fourth quarter, you hit a three. That's a six-point swing. So if you shoot the ball quickly there, miss a shot, they come down and hit a three at the buzzer. You get the ball to start the next quarter, and now if you you know make a left, it's almost like you're down one. You know you you lost the point in that time frame. So I always find myself like you always stress that. Now I always look, okay, what's the situation? Uh, like you said, split the split second decision to make. Some coaches are very good at. After the game's over, they're watching the videotape. Oh, I should have done that. I should have switched to that. But the successful coaches, which I think you two guys do a very good job, in-game decisions. Okay, I'm going to call a timeout. The middle's open. We need to do this, or we need to take this away. Some coaches can look on a I, – I, I think what Coach Carver said, Andy Reid, I think, is can go back and look. You always hear Andy Reid, he prepares everything well. He's a very good preparer. But you need to be able to think on your feet, too, I think, during the game. Okay, this isn't working. We need to do this, or we need to do this. Um, how important is it to kind of get your teams focused in terms of game? Do you guys go over a lot of game situations and things like that and clock management? Do you kind of take that upon yourself, or do you want your teams to kind of know as well? You do. I think you you start putting a minute on the clock uh, five or six times a week and and talk about the last minute of a a quarter or a half. Go over the different situations. Uh, I always get this disappoint myself when I'm drawing up a play that we have not put in in practice. I think I'm not prepared when I'm doing that, and when it doesn't uh, succeed, I point the finger at myself. You know, Have I explained this to the players? I think you always have to examine your conscience at the end of the game, and you got to be critical of yourself to become a better coach. And I think that uh, a lot of times you, you have said things, but you said it to the team the year before. And you have to realize that, you know, i got to say this over again. A lot of people don't realize you go through an entire year of teaching, and you have to go back to the start. And uh, Dave and I both take pride in our matchup zone, and that matchup zone is so difficult to teach, and it's not ready in December, and starts getting ready in January, and it is ready in February, and your your team starts growing. But you have to reteach it each year. And uh, special game situations, there's a lot of teaching and learning. And and again, uh, the kids not listening, you have to demand their attention, get them back to do you understand what I'm saying? Show me what I just said and make sure they're on the same page. And, you know, when you go on your blackboard sessions, you think it's clear to you and your assistant coaches are shaking their head, but the players aren't always thinking. They're not sure if they're the X's or the O's. So, you know, you have to explain it to them and, and make sure that they understand end-of-game situations. And when mistakes happen, you can't get angry at the kids. You just explain, I'm not angry at you. Just don't let it happen again. <laughs> That's right. Coach Allen? Well, just to address a couple, what Mike said about managing the clock, you know, Coach Maloney from Temple uh, said years ago, if the good outweighs the bad, then you go with it. Sometimes when the clock gets under 30 seconds, you know, you may have a player has two or three fouls. It just benefits you to take the last shot. You take the last shot, you stay off the defensive end, the team, the other team can't score. So if you're up at 14-10 and it's 30 seconds left in the first quarter, at worst you're going in 14-10. You know, and that's the way. Now, the benefits are you could get a point, two points, or three points, but you could also, the other team could score, and you could also get a foul on one of your players. Uh, to reiterate what Coach Crawford said about listening and teaching, and I think earlier he talked about um, listening. You know, back when we played, 
uh, and I'm a few years older than Mike. But when Mike played, there was there was no uh, shooting that many shooting coaches or AAU coaches or travel coaches. So he came into practice. The head coach, what he told you was gospel. Now what's happening is when a kid comes in, he has all these things in his head already, and he thinks he knows what is right. And now the high school coach is trying, the varsity coach is trying to tell him the right way to play the little things about shot selection and rebounding and no, don't turn the ball over or foul shooting. Um, and now the kids don't value these little things because people are making money off the big things. Uh, three-point shooting, shoot on the gun machine, AAU, pay $300 for this event. You know, you're playing against all these players, and now we're in a difficult position. Now they don't want to listen to us because we're the first ones to telling them that, you know, you win games on the foul line. You know, you don't win games, but, you know, you keep a guy in front of you, block a guy out. So that's what uh, we're up against a lot in high school basketball. And I think that you guys both did a good job of addressing, I mean, especially the attention spans of some of the kids these days, and, and it's just not—it's not the same as it was when we were. In, I mean, when we were younger, I mean, there's just so much. Everything's about instant gratification now. I think that's something that's different than it was growing when I was even growing up, and, and compared to the next last generation, everything needs to be now. There needs to be instant gratification. You need—I need to be playing now. I need to be starting as a freshman. I need to be doing this. And how difficult is that in terms of coaching when you when you have a society that's everything needs instant that instant pleasure and it's it's got to be tough to to kind of deal with that on practice and when kids are just constantly i mean to control the team to have that discipline how do you do that when the kids just need that need that complete and utter gratification at all times i just think you're constantly talking to them as people not as players, you know, and you have to remind them to be grateful for things in life and, and be grateful. Do you know what your parents, what sacrifice they've done to get you in this school? Do you realize uh, that you're, you're playing a team sport, not an individual sport? You just keep on reminding them about the the important values of, of life, and with that, you, you can't go wrong. I think uh, every now and then you're going to affront a kid and, and you're, you're, you're going to uh, uh, deprogram him, as Dave is alluding to, and, and tell him what you think is right, and you have to sugarcoat it somewhat. But but meanwhile, you just say, listen, I'm telling you this for your own good. And I think when you can communicate and sell the point that I'm just here in the business here to help you, I think it makes things a lot easier. I think that, uh, you know, hard love has disappeared a little bit. I think bringing it back into uh, the world is good, and I think what you're saying uh Kevin, is there is too much instant gratification, and as, as I said earlier, I think the society is getting a little bit soft, but I will not compromise I, my values. If I see something wrong, I'm going to address it, and I'm going to uh, hope that I get response and uh, continue to try to help the kids to my the best of my ability, and uh, I see Dave Allen and a lot of other young coaches doing the same thing, and I feel good that... Uh, you know, in our in our country, we have we have good sports programs, high school programs, and there's a lot of good uh, learning lessons to be made. But uh, are they really getting them all? I'm I'm really not sure. But I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to give up trying. I reiterate again what Coach Crawford said about gratitude. You know, too too there's too much comparing uh, and competing with 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 families on the, on the same team. You know, this one's getting more shots. This one's not playing. The gratitude. Uh, if I'm on Camden Catholic's basketball team, I'm one of 12 or 13 players on that team. I'm one of the best basketball players in the high school, which means and with that program or some of the other program, whether it's Shawnee or Camden or Cherry Hill East, Cherry Hill West, 
you know, you're one of the top players in South Jersey. I mean, you know how many kids, and I, didn't, I never realized this. When I, when, I was te- when I was teaching at Cherry Hill West, there was a kid who just came up to me and wanted to be a manager. And he knew more about the NBA or NCAA than anybody I've ever known. And he would have loved to have been on the team, just to be on the team. And I just think sometimes we, we're always comparing ourselves to, you know, Kyle Green or uh, Kevin Owens or Mike Gould or Coach Crawford. Where instead of looking at how can I be the best player that I can be, all right, and have gratitude. I, I steal. I'm, I'm always. I'm a. I'm a thief. I always steal. And I heard the Harbaugh's, Mr. Harbaugh, say uh, uh, on Real Sports when they would drive in the car, Jim and John and the family. Who has it better than us? Nobody. Who has nobody. it better? Nobody. Who has it better than Camden Catholic? I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm outnumbered here. But who has it better than Camden Catholic? Who has it better than Cherry Elise? Who has it? Who has it better than us? Nobody. Nobody. Where's gratitude? And I think it comes from the adults. Great points, great points. Well, I'm going to tell a little story that really has nothing to do with the program right now, but I feel like I should just tell the story. About 10 years ago, Coach Crawford and I uh, decided we were going to play golf on a Friday. A Thursday night, we decided we were going to play golf the next the next day, which is Friday. Now, it was supposed to rain that, that day, and we set up to play at Pensalkin at 8 o'clock or so, whenever it was, 7 o'clock. Now, the course is totally empty because it's supposed to rain. So we go around once, and we're finished, and Coach Crawford says to me, do you want to go around again? I said, yeah, I'll go around again. He said, well, let me go check with the lady. and She might know me from the from the outing we run. So she said, yeah, go ahead. No one's here. Go ahead. Play on. So now we're, you know, about, I don't know, six hours, seven hours in, and we're pole 33, 34. My back's starting to bother me, getting tired. I really don't want to – really just ready for the day to be over. It's drizzling off and on. The weather's not that nice. So we get done 36, and Coach Crawford says, come on, let's go around again. And now you feel like you can't say no, so now we played what, 54 holes. In, and, and it was weird. All of our scores were almost equal each time. You know, whether I mean, he shot better than I did, but the scores were almost comparable each time. Was that the same day that you lost to Callaway? It was. I was battling your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Crawford, he, he tees off, and, the, and we both see the ball go over to the right. So we're over there looking, and he was playing with a Titleist, or no, he was playing with he was playing with a Titleist Pro V1 all day. So I said, Co- we were looking for. Him. I said, Coach Crawford, what were you using? He said, I was using a Callaway. So I, or I was using a, he said, I was using a Callaway. So I had picked up the, the Callaway earlier because he was using a Titleist Pro V1. So we're looking for 20 minutes. He goes, I know it was over here. Realize, I, I look in my pocket. I realize I have a Callaway in my pocket. So I kind of just fling it on the ground. Hey, there it is. So the, the, the ongoing joke was I, uh, I I stole his Callaway ball that day, but. Uh, Coach, are you still playing a lot of golf these days, or, or what's going on there? I know the, I know you belonged at Merchantville. The bell would ring at two thirty. You were teeing off by two thirty-five. <laughs> two thirty-three, Mike. But uh, <laughs> told the kids to mark their papers and turn the lights out when they're done. And uh, <laughs> and I heard them yelling out the bus window. There's Mr. Crawford on the on the second uh, on the second tee box. Uh, still playing. Yeah, I think that we had. Uh, you know, we played six rounds that day, three each, and I think our scores are all between uh, 85 and 88, and we did, had a lot of fun. And, you know, I think it, uh, life's just full of experiences, and that was a nice life experience, you know. In fact, uh, I actually connected. Uh, your mother had passed that week before, and that's what got the conversation going, and I, I thought the world of your mother and your family, and uh, I'm just so, again, with Dave, I'm just grateful that I'm invited here, and I'm grateful I'm part of your your lives and, and the Canada Catholic and Dave's in the South Jersey basketball. So, uh I 
am very grateful, and I and and as a result, I play golf anytime I can to uh, <laughs> express how grateful I am. Well, now we're telling stories. Now, I mean, <laughs> now we're telling stories. This might be one that has a little, and hopefully, doesn't have any contention. I heard you and John Valori played one on one way back. Do you remember that? And he said, he said you crushed him. John, John's tough to say no to. You, we all know that. And uh, John, by the way, is an excellent coach. And I always thought we talked about him earlier. That group four is so difficult. And John, I always thought has gotten the most out of his players. And he's so difficult to play against because he does things that you don't see of the normal. He's a genius as a coach. Uh, I had, I had just come off a sprained ankle, and I, and I was hardly walking. And John said, "Please play me. I just want to play against you." Know? I can't move, so I guess I know what Mike Gould feels like when someone makes makes you play. And uh, uh, I didn't get a Galloway out of it, but I uh, I did enjoy playing against John, and uh, it was fun competing against him over the years. Coach Allen, you want to tell, we'll tell some more stories. How about the battles that we had in Brendan Cody's driveway growing up? Me, you, Rich Cody, Brendan. I mean, the fights. Rich sucker punching Brendan and just the competitive battles. And that's what we're talking about. I remember we, we played at FitQuest one day. I believe it was me, you, Terry Schofield, Brendan Cody. Uh, who else was there that day? Jed Ryan. Who, who else? Uh, there was someone else there. And just it was such it was so much fun because it was good basketball and everybody was competing and, and and no one liked no one likes to lose. Everybody was competitive and there was arguments and fights. But those are just kind of things growing up playing basketball. You kind of re, you kind of remember. I remember when I was younger, I, I, I grew up playing basketball with Matt Langle, and I still remember just going in his backyard. We would play one-on-one in the backyard with Matt Langle. Uh, and, and it's funny, uh, my, my buddy ran into Matt Langle a couple years ago, and he said, Matt, what do you kind of remember about basketball? And he said, well, you know, all the, all the players I played against, that I played against um, – I played against Paul Pierce, Mike Gould, and I can't believe he mentioned me. I'm a little, a little upset he mentioned Paul Pierce before me, but those are just kind of the things that kind of growing up playing basketball you kind of remember. Those times are great. Uh, I can always remember, and I think players now, they don't get that. They don't understand what it is to go to an outdoor court with your friends to lose and sit there 45 minutes until you can get back on. Um, a couple years ago, uh, I was trying to get Chris Santo – to play pickup. I take him over to the Cherry Hill Racket Club to play pickup. It was on a Monday night, and he lost, and he had to sit for 30 minutes. And he said, well, I want to leave. Well, you're not leaving. You're going to wait 30 minutes. And he lost again. He had to sit 30 more minutes. It made him, uh, you know, because now these kids now, they just play a game, they show up, and they leave. And they don't know what it is to get into it and get physical, you know, a near fighting. Because, hey, you're going to fight if you're going to sit for 30 minutes. And they don't, they don't have that. And I don't think they play enough. I, I believe Kevin's still here. Hold on a second. Kevin? Hello. How are you? Uh, yeah. That's something that's – I mean, I'm adamant about that. I think that's so – That's it just doesn't happen. And it's something that's so important. Like you said, the, the, the one thing you can't teach is toughness. And I think you develop that toughness from that playground atmosphere. I think you develop it by going up against a Chuck guitar when you're in seventh grade or – I mean, like you're going up against Coach Allen. I mean, that's it's something that that doesn't really kids don't challenge themselves to go against a much better player. It's everything's let's compete, let's get JK NBA, let's go against the this. I'm, we're going to go against 12 year olds. We're going to go against 12 year olds. No one plays against that that top caliber player just to test themselves out. And like you're saying, I mean, the Cherry Hill Racket Club, you have some good players that play there. Guys who retired who played overseas. I mean, it's. It, 
the games are tough, and you take a high school kid to that, they just don't understand that now because they think it's it's all yeah. Let's I'm going to leave. Okay, I played one game. I'm, I'm not, again. It comes back to that instant gratification. Like I'm well, what to sit for thirty minutes. That's that's not fun. That's not enjoyable. So I think that's uh, something that. It's just it's it's sad in a way, and I think Coach Crawford hit it best. I think culture is getting soft, and I think that's everything's about you know let's let, we have to protect our protect our kids. We have to make sure that they're happy. We have to they always have to be happy. They always have to be this. They always have to be that. As opposed to coming home, I, I mean, my dad was loved when I would, would go there and play against Chucky because if I came home with a blood skin elbows and knees from falling and Chucky bumping me and pushing me off my and Paul Wiedemann and guys like that and uh oh I can't remember his name the big guy uh we'll, we'll have to get, who's it? is he is he like does he kind of like almost yeah 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 that's I mean going against guys like that it's it's unbelievable how how much better you get and that's uh that's something that just doesn't doesn't happen uh doesn't happen anymore and that's it's tough but I think again, it comes. It does come back to the parents, like you said. Yeah, and you know, you go out and play. You play against better players. And that that Coach Valori comment, the Coach Crawford play one on one. Coach Valori told me that story, so I know someone out there is going to tell him the story. Is going to be re and done, and he's not going to talk to me for six more months. Um, so it's unbelievable. But I I played I I played against Sam Jacobs, and you guys remember Sam Jacobs. We played a hundred times over the course that I've known him. And you know I'm one in '99 against him, and I think uh, and he I won one, yeah. And he he still disputes that I won one. He he still you know I I did I won one. It was it, I won one. But uh, you know back you know I'd say back then in the '90s, you know if you know Mike Gould, Coach Crawford's your good player, uh, you, you wanted to play against those players. If you were a little older, that's where you learned how to play the game. You know, I would go to Sam Jacobs and say, how do you do this move? Or, you know, I'll rebound for you. That's how you learn. Now it's, you know, it's everyone pays money uh, to go play and go train. By the way, I, 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 just got, I just got word senator. That's what I was thinking. Oh, senator. Frank, uh, Frank Senator. Yeah, he was a, he was a vicious dude. Mm-hmm. He was always on those uh, handful teams with Wiedemann and those guys. Timmy, Timmy Senator. Timmy Senator. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, he just – I remember he would just beat me up just to beat me up. And I was uh, – Definitely, definitely a little scary. I mean, he's a scary-looking guy to begin with. So he, he was, he was, he was frightening. Uh, for you, can, can I, I, I'm uh, Dave. Give me one second. Uh, for all, for all you hundreds of high schools and thousands of thousands of high school players listening out there, um, in all seriousness, I, I remember Coach Crawford always saying to us, "You're going to remember the game, the practices more than the games." And as you get older. Because you're in the gym every day and you're practicing, things happen. And, and I just remember, he, he's right. Like yeah, I don't remember a lot of what happened in the game against Triton, but I remember back in '94 we had the ice storms. And nowadays, you know, if if it's uh, if it if it thunderstorms, a lot of practice gets called out, gets called off. Coach Crawford made us come to the gym. Now keep in mind, school's canceled. It's a state of emergency. Nobody's allowed on. There's icicles hanging off trees. Ice over there, and we had practice. And I remember we played. We're playing five on five, and there's a loose ball at half court. And Coach Crawford now, uh, I believe back in '94, you were, you know, he, he was a little bit younger than he is now. It's about you know, almost 20 years ago. There's a loose ball at half court, and a couple of us are just kind of jogging over to the ball. Out of nowhere, he comes flying in like Jimmy Snook off the top rope, dives on the ball, 
and just runs down the other court and lays it. And we're thinking, man, if our coach is doing this, we better, we better get on the floor for the next loose ball. Do you remember that, Coach? Or, or did you? Yeah, I'm trying to remember which one of you pushed me out there to get that ball. But it was fun. It's fun listening to you guys talk about the competitiveness. And I think uh, what Dave was saying, when you sit 30, 40 minutes before you can get on, uh, what, you, what the players in the old days learned was uh, play not to lose. Not just to win, but not to lose. And I think you play harder when you're playing not to lose. And that competitive spirit is what we're trying to get in these kids. Uh, Kyle Green and Robbie Bruce are our two leaders, and they are good. And they come to practice every play, any, every day, and it makes your job really, really easy. And they fall in line. My first captains were Mertens and Callahan's and Boucher's, and they were just hard-working kids. And, and the program just kind of has fit in the ever since then. You know, they – we did a, dr- a drill when you would dive for loose balls, and everybody would dive, and we'd do it for a half hour. Now we do it about once uh, once a season, and uh, hope no attorneys call us. You know, and it's just a it's a changed world. But uh, I, I like hearing you guys talk about the competitiveness, and we all remember playing those games. And I, I can remember losing on a Saturday, and knew I was going to face you next Saturday, and just sitting in class thinking about how I was going to beat you next week or try to beat you, and it's just a a competitive spirit that was, was that was uh, built built into us. Yeah, coach. You can, no, no, coach. We can no. Keep, no, we can keep going on that competitive. Uh, no, I was just going to ask uh, Coach Crawford uh, what it was like like at LaSalle and having the opportunity to play in the Big Five. Uh, time of my life. It was just uh, it was great. Uh, you know, getting to play with Kenny Durrett and, and all the other players in the Big Five and the Big Five what it used to be back then. I was recruited by Tom Gola, a great man and. Uh, I got to play for Paul Westhead to this day. I, I didn't think I ever needed the Marines. He pushed us so hard, and you went through that love-hate and realized uh, in the end how much I loved the man because of uh, what he stood for. And once I understood he was on my side and, and pushing me, I think I've taken a lot of his lessons and uh, hopefully passed them on to, uh, to my players. Uh, the Big Five itself, just the, the, the atmosphere of playing at the Palestra and the entire school supporting you and, and being part of uh, the ultimate basketball of the day was, uh, was something I'll never forget. I think that uh, the younger player, younger people really don't realize that you try to tell them what it was like. It's not the same anymore. It's still uh, nice. I, but when all the games were played at the Palestra, there were you know double headers. There would be thousands of people there just cheering. And the big five just seemed to always rise to the occasion. And, and then over the years, you got to meet all the players on the other teams. I became uh, great friends with them. I became good friends with Ollie Johnson and, and Mike Bantam and Pat McFarlane and Tommy Englesby and, and Hankinson and all those great guys and Hank Simonkowski. And we remain friends over the years. Every now and then you bump into them. But uh, that that question just has me excited, David. Just, it was a, a fun part of my life. And, uh, and thank you for asking the question. You got me all excited here. It doesn't happen too much anymore, so thank you. I think you're more excited than right there than after the Paul Six win the other night. Guys, I got a little trivia question for you guys. Who, and I don't know if you guys have, know, have heard this recently, what active coach has the most career high school points? And he was a South Jersey player. Uh, now, I know right away Coach Robert's going to say there Kevin Crawford. There was a list of 13 guys. Oh, you saw the list? 000, uh, I don't think any of them made 2,000, did they? Uh, One was close. Eric Wilty, one one thousand nine hundred fifty-one. Oh, that oh, that was uh, that was in the uh, okay. Was in the Plus, he had about ten assists, so he's almost two thousand points. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember. I, I think in '92, Camden Catholic played Gateway, and I'll never forget it. 
I, I'm sitting in the stands, and Eric Wilty dunked the ball two-handed, and, and the rim shook for for two minutes afterwards. I mean, he was a monster. Yeah, I saw him and uh, Justin Phoenix go at it one night at Camden Cali. Great game. We were heavy uh, favorites, and we just barely won the game. I think it was like 73-69, and Wilty and uh, Justin had like 30, 30 points each. But uh, speaking of trivia, I know Mike Mike Gould's part of the 2000 club, the uh, – 600 he scored in the 1400 he let up. <laughs> oh, come on. He, he's the way to say it. He had that joke written up. He had that written up since his third period algebra class today. He had that joke written up. Dave, any other any other questions you'd like to ask any other any anybody else? <laughs> Put me on the spot here. Kevin. No, I think uh you know, going back uh we were talking about when you brought up the the charge drills and things like that and diving for loose balls, uh, I do remember the one time, the first time I did a charge drill at Camden Catholic at a varsity practice because I practiced with a freshman my freshman year, I went up against my cousin, Drew Owens, who's now the head coach at Kingsway, went to Camden Catholic. Uh, and I remember that was, the, I think that was the, the first time I ever took a charge. And I didn't take it. I mean, he just, he just barreled through me. And he came at me so hard. And I think, you know, growing up there's always the – the comparisons amongst cousins Jeff and I and, and Drew and I mean he came at me hard and knocked me on my butt and it, it was something that I remembered and I still remember it to this day because it, it show it, it was it was a toughness giving thing and uh, I think that was so important in my life and how that moment kind of resonates even twenty something or fifteen years later and uh, now it's it's true like you said there's if you I was told when I got the job as an assistant coach, and it wasn't by Coach Allen, but I was told that I can't even say take a charge. I can't tell a player to take a charge because if you tell a player to take a charge and he gets hurt taking a charge, you're yeah. then you're then liable. Yeah. And that's, the, I mean, to me that's just unbelievable that you can't, I mean, I, I yell my players to take a charge all the time because I think if, if they're going to fire me for telling my player to take a charge, I mean, what what does basketball become? And I mean, we have about three minutes left, so we're, I just wanted to give you give you guys both a question. Where do you think basketball is headed? How how far do you think this is going to go? Where do you think we're going to go in terms of are, is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get more soft? What do you think uh, going forward, Coach? I, I think it's, to me, it's going south. It, it's not as uh, as solid as it once was. You're talking about the uh, how it's getting soft, how it's becoming too much of it. Individual, I think sports in general maybe we're, we're oversaturated, but there's just so many good lessons to be learned there still. Uh, and you know, overall, they're, they're still they're still good kids that try their hardest. And, and what else can you ask for? It just you know, like you guys were saying earlier, who has it the best? You know, Cherry Hill East, Canada Catholic, South Jersey. These high school kids uh, have it good. Uh, I, I wish that uh, I wish that the quality would step up. I wish that the direction they were going was better. Uh, but we continue to try to uh, push them in that direction as. I'm sure Davis. Again, I, I again I agree with Coach Crawford. I, I I think what's happening is, like Coach said uh, earlier, coaches you're not going to see coaches coach for 35 years anymore because we're chasing coaches out. You know the parents, the administration, the AAU coaches, kids transferring. You just get beat down, and you know like you just said, Kevin about you can't tell a kid to take a charge. I can remember back when during the ice storms or when it snowed, Coach Valore used to tell us to hide down a lock. It would be snowing during school, and school would get released early. He'd tell us to hide in the locker room. Everybody would leave, and we'd practice. You know, those days are over. 
Um, and basketball's changed so much in 10 years. I don't know what it's going to look like 10 years from now. Great points, Kev. About a minute and a half left of the show. Uh, our switchboard, we actually have eight or nine callers on the line right now. Uh, we're we're not going to be able to get to them. Hopefully they call back next week. Uh, Kev, uh, I know you said you played practice with the freshman year. Freshman year. Did you practice with the freshman year, sophomore year, too, if I remember or no? Yeah. I was one of those guys. I just They just kept me down there. They're like, really, come on, 95 pounds? You're 6'10", for God's sakes. And, uh, you know, that's uh, like we talked about, in terms of basketball getting tougher, and I think we're going to – what we would like to do, I mean, we might actually have to next week have an AAU debate because I think this is getting to the point where we need to kind of figure all this AAU stuff out and figure out where it's going and is it going to take over high school, what's going to happen. So we might, we might have an AAU debate next week. So, uh, again, we have about 40 seconds of show left. Tune in next week, uh, next Monday at 7 uh, for the matchup zone. We may be having an AAU debate uh, Again, follow us on Twitter at the match underscore up zone or Facebook page the match up zone. Uh, Mike and I, we can't thank you guys enough, Coach Crawford, Coach Allen, for your insight tonight, for joining us here in the studio. I know we had some technical glitches that we o- overcame, and uh, yeah, the producer, the producer is getting fired. But uh, <laughs> but uh, again, thank you guys so much, and uh, everyone, thank you for. Tuning in today. Thanks you for your call, Tom from Palmyra, and uh, we will see you again next week on the Matchup Zone.